Ross Harris. Jimmy, how are you, my good friend? I am doing. Yeah, I can hear you fine. This is Jimmy English, and welcome to the And we have a special guest who is a dear friend of mine. I love the guy. I mean, the guy can play bass guitar like else. And I mean rock, <laughs> I mean jazz, I mean blues. The guy is also a ball player, a softball player, played both. He's stealth, he's a renaissance and he can do it all. And <laughs> he did podcast. Oh, what about months ago, three months ago? couple of months ago, yeah. On, and correct me if I'm wrong, bringing vegetables, places that have it, the winter, it becomes very difficult. It's, it's a cold weather, uh, because it's cold. And so, Ross, I know you have some updates on, and where would like to start. Why don't you start telling the audience what your what your envision is for your hydroponic, um, you know, hydroponics adventure? Sure. Uh, just to uh, uh, bait or tease the audience a little bit. There's a very exciting update uh, as well. But uh, what my uh, it's called the Omni Grow. And it's an indoor, very advanced technology uh, growing machine. And uh, what the, however, uh, before uh, we get into the discussion about the updates regarding the Canada Feed the Nations project, there's actually uh, yet a new and very exciting facet to uh Harris Organics, uh, which just took place like in the last week, and uh, I'm I'm excited to share this with everyone. Um, the uh, investment group people brought me into uh, a very posh business uh, environment room, and uh, and sat me uh, a few feet away from a, a gentleman who is the president of a company called Fieldbot. And that it's basically a robotic machine that goes through outdoor farming environments to uh, robotically uh, fertilize and, and water uh, outdoor uh, produce growing. Oh. And, and uh, that was pretty cool. And then uh, so they asked me, uh, the, the head of the investment group, uh, of course, was setting both of us up like a bunch of bowling pins, but we didn't know this. And um, they, he said, uh, "Well, Ross, you know, what do you think? You know, the advantages are over, uh, you know, indoor growing." And I went into my full spiel, you know, which uh, the fact that, uh, you know, there aren't the same, uh, you know, potential. Uh, you know, detrimental factors that are involved at all. And uh, therefore, the successful growth rate is incredibly high. And then... Uh, and Talk it, about that and, more, please. Talk about why the success rate is better. 
Sure. Um, you don't have the uh, potential, you know, uh, difficult weather conditions, like uh, especially, you know, as we've talked about 12 months a year. Right. And then uh, then you don't have the disease factor from, uh, you know, different outdoor environments that that can actually bring that into the picture, which causes crop loss. Then uh, you also don't have uh, the, uh, you know, unforeseen like, uh, you know, bugs and and and, uh, you know, parasites that exist in an outdoor environment that that doesn't happen either. And uh, and then also potential, uh, you know, things in the water, you know, that in an outdoor environment that can actually take place, which in a, an indoor environment, you can control actually the exact, uh, you know, water content dramatically. So, uh, and then there's also no fertilizer. There's no pesticide, none of that. So, so therefore, um, the outcome of the crop growth is as close to 100% as humanly possible. Whereas in an outdoor environment, all the things that I mentioned are on the table. They're, they're, the crops are challenged by this and therefore the percentage of success rate is in the usually high sixties or mid seventies. If some, if, if a farmer's really sharp and, and is lucky at the same time. So uh, anyway, uh, the, so the investor group. Had, wait a second. Uh, wait, wait, I, I don't want to leave this yet. Cause I think this is. Sure. Doing then is you're developing the environment. You can control how you grow, what you grow. So not it's more of but the food is and controlling all the variables the output. Well said. Uh, it, it's just the ultimate uh, control over the output. Correct. And therefore, um, it, this actually uh, lends itself to uh, almost all uh, indoor growing uh, produce or crops or whatever, flowers even, um, to actually grow a little faster and to grow a little bit uh, more densely. Now, can you, so, but I have no idea because I am, I am not, you know, I, this stuff at all but is there the opportunity to scale is outdoors how does the scale that you're doing compare to an outdoor farmer well the the interesting thing uh is that you could and this is i'll get to this but we won't uh focus on that now but uh you could put like a thousand Omnigrow machines in a hundred thousand square foot building, and and turn oh. out like a ton of crop. Okay, <laughs> like a crazy amount. But as my counterpart at this meeting was was explaining, is that you know, as good as the Omnigrow is, there are very uh, there's a large amount of sedentary farmer farming 
organizations, groups, or individual farmers that don't plan to go indoors. They're not going to do it. They, 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 they love the outdoors. They, they've, you know, their success rate is, is as such, but at the same time, they have no plans to go indoors because they've got like, you know, zillions of acres and, and they, they have tradition in their, you know, that they like, say they're like the potato growers. They're not going to just stop growing potatoes and then try to start growing them indoors. It, it's just a, maybe a cultural thing. I'm not really sure, yeah. but it, but yeah. it's part of it. It's part of the deal. Like, don't ask us to, to like fold up our, acres and acres and acres to to start you know moving into you know buildings that that we're going to start growing this stuff indoors so that's a really that's a that's a challenge and the transition whether it happens or not to full-time indoor growing as opposed to outdoor uh will take they predict a minimum a minimum of at least 10 to 15 years so uh, I get that on a cultural level. And also this gentleman argued that outdoor growing is still a, a great success story. So where, so interesting, unless you, unless you have other questions, my friend, I, I was going to share that there was a, a development at the end of all of this. So, um, so the, the head of the investment group looked at both of us and he said, both of you are wrong. And <laughs> I mean, this guy's really smart and I pride myself in knowing what I'm talking about. And, and we're both looking at each other going like, huh? <laughs> I don't think we're wrong, you know, but okay. You know, this guy's very bright man too. So um, he said, this is what we're going to do. So we're going to use the OmniGrow as a laboratory fixture to create uh, data that is able to be the standard, the total and utter reference to be able to grow a particular crop 100% perfectly. And then the people who are utilizing this for outdoor growing can up the percentage of success by following what the perfect ideal is. And, and this is what they plan to embark on. So we're, uh, they're giving us a hundred thousand square foot building to put 1000 of our machines inside to grow every uh, strain of every kind of produce known to man to create, to, and to gather all the data from this because our machines jim have a different array of sensors they have uh, water sensors they have nutrient level sensors they have hydrogen sensors they have temperature sensors and they also have a digital camera to be able to record the successful growth of of each individual plant bed okay so uh wow. So they're going to create all of this uh, data from, from our machines to, again, offer the outdoor farmer uh, what the 100% level of success is and, and how and why that happened because there's complete and utter data 
from from this procedure. So this they feel, and so does uh, our friends at uh, John Deere, <laughs> by the way, um, they feel that this will up the success rate outdoors from, as I said, in the high 60s, mid 70s to in the like mid 80s. So you can do the you can do the math, my smart friend, and and see the uh, value of of all this data to the outdoor farmer. So this I love this VC guy, uh, capitalist. <laughs> he's got he is what he's doing is he's having a like he's going to have you guys perfect your way of doing it measure the effectiveness and the quality and quantity of the output and barometer for outdoor people and if exactly so if the correct me if i'm wrong crush so if the outdoor people can't keep up with with uh organics okay they could demonstrate my understand tradition i understand that people don't change i remember when i was at kaiser uh we changed from a you know a file where you just out everybody to a system where you put everything in the computer so it was a change and a bunch of documents because they didn't want to do it so it'll be see how the farmers re- because if I'm understanding you correctly, you without question will have a and your matrices. That's what you're measured by better than the farmer. So the farmers may have to con up, right? Well, maybe, but even at the same time, they will be able to have the data of what it took to create a hundred percent level of success. So therefore actually before they consider going indoors, that that's probably, <laughs> you know, as we've said earlier, not going to happen that quickly for, in fact, not for a while, uh, but what they can learn and utilize from all this is from the data, they can see what, what was utilized to create this lot higher success rate? In what they do, sense for the for the soil, the soil, or a water testing, or whatever, so they can employ what you have in their outdoor to improve their. Exactly. Exactly. And how this close. is uh, this is the future, baby. <laughs> That's all I, I can say. I know? love talking, man, and I love the fact that Ross Harris, my buddy Crusher, is driving this. So, think, speculate. So, how do you think your measurables will stick up to the first level measurables? For the outdoor farmer, well, I think 
here's the deal it's it's you know in a in a like uh perfect world uh all the farmers would have access to this information and whether they you know were interested in it or not you know you don't know okay and whether they like went beyond the fact that hey i've been a farmer for you know, sorry i shouldn't talk in that accent other people will get mad i don't mean that i was just i was just kidding around but it, i've been doing it like this for the last 70 years and you know i i've grown a lot of successful you know uh you know produce outside you know and you know i'm not gonna i don't need to deal with this or you you could you know possibly have an open-minded uh farming group or their offspring which are more open-minded to new technology embrace it right or absolutely now but what's the reality of of american capitalism jimmy you you're <laughs> uh, i know you and and you're Greedy. incredibly smart <laughs> it, you're a very smart man and i know that you'll concur with what i'm gonna say is that most of the time not all the time it, it's it's pressure being put on uh you know economic uh you know situations to uh actually force someone's hand to deal with something so uh that's how our brilliant uh, capital system works in this country. And I don't think this is going to be anything different personally. So what I'm talking about is say like a company like John Deere, the largest agricultural entity in the world, as far as I know, uh, will now either uh, give ultimatums to uh companies that are their competitors but are considerably smaller than them to either adopt uh, this ideology in their growing or or they will be bought up by John Deere. So th- there's this new pressure that, that will actually come from this that is, you know, like nothing that I have any control over, but I think you'll see the larger agricultural companies put so much pressure on their smaller competitors that they'll start buying them up and, and for uh, probably, you know, like a smaller, you know, uh, percentage of a dollar. That's a, you know, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, in other words, cause they put them in a precarious position and they'll take it over and actually utilize this uh, data to uh, increase the success rate and therefore increase these companies' profits. Because essentially what you're doing is you're taking whether the equation, success failure equation of farming, Correct. So by doing that, because think of all, you know, first of all, the weather is volatile right now, you know, and global warming, and things are just going to get more volatile. There might be less or rain, you know, there's going to be more or less earthquakes. I have a business that is totally on the weather. You have a drought and, and you're 
it, right? Hamas well, too. there's another You're part screwed. of this too that you can't overlook is is you don't know what kind of uh, like. Uh, things can get into the water when you're outdoors you don't you have no idea like bad things potentially could get into the water also uh you know uh parasites and different kinds of you know insects can can cause like a a pretty big amount of crop loss so you you add weather to that you know it's it's uh you know a lot more challenging situation right yeah, well, and, you know, theoretically, you know, if you're not using pesticides, okay, the quality of the output, the crops that you're producing are going to be healthier for a human being. Correct. Be healthier. So, you know, and I, I know that you can't measure this because sir and, and ailment associated pesticides is going to take years to measure that anybody can draw a conclusion using pesticides and thing is optimum. You know, the weather's soil is optimum. You know, the, the seeds you use are optimum and your success rate is measurable that people are healthy down the line. This is like a freaking panacea. Exactly. But, but you're, as we, we keep saying, uh, is like yeah that, that's true and that's an ideal situation but you have this culture that you're dealing with that you know has a problem you know uh you know embracing new technology just how it is you know if i could change that i would try but it the point is is that these people are are you know farmers they have their they're entitled to their attitudes but as as you know they they could make it a, a more predictable situation but will they you know that's what we all have to you know find out in the next 10 or 15 years how much do they actually have the the food industry uh well oh uh you would think more uh like the you know i i would think uh the fda you know would be uh you know big time uh concerned about you know what the current environment is but you know i'm sure they have their you know limitations of what they can actually you know make change you know i i don't know i i i i I'm not speaking from knowledge, okay? But uh, I, you would, <laughs> you would hope that they would, and they would put the hammer down on the outdoor farmer. But uh, you know, who knows if you know how that works? Is there are these people supporting the FDA? You know, you know, how, you know how our politics work these days. You know, uh, you know, are are they are they supporting people who are you know, running for uh, seats at the FDA or, you know, like, and so therefore they, you know, oddly don't bring up, you know, these, these subjects that could be detrimental to the industry. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Interesting though, because successful men and women guts and vision, 
they control so much of direction of our country, all the country, all the capitalist countries, because they can invest their money that they see. And I love this guy data to make sure that what you're doing works and other venture could see wanting to get involved. I mean, you know, and the cultural issue that farmers had for generations, they've been doing it a certain way. But you could have farmers go away of companies or album makers or CDs or right. other things that become simply obsolete. I mean, this is a more way of growing a crop in terms of everything. Now, um, react to that. Am I right track here? I think you nailed it, but, you know, we're all going to have to wait and see. I mean, who it, it, in my book, like, if you saw the results from the uh, this laboratory that they, that's what they're referring to it as now, um, you know, with with uh, completely, uh, you know, controlled uh, environment that's capable and should result very close to 100 percent in success rate. You know, I think that there possibly this could be catalytic towards a, a real boom in uh, people changing their minds and, and going indoors to to grow things, because, you know, part of like our project that, that I shared previously in canada is is the ability for people who need it more than almost anybody on the planet not uh i mean there are other people that need it too but um, these people need to change their lives big time and and uh it's the reason that they have like high suicide rate high alcoholism high you know like early you know terrible mortality rate you know so forth and so on but if they could grow, you know, healthy food in uh, like, uh, you know, lettuce and, and tomatoes and, and all the, you know, produce that, that we take for granted that we could go to Ralph's and buy every day. Right. If they could do all this stuff, but they could do it 12 months a year. Um, this could, you know, be a, a, you know, an omen that that people like, you know, go, wow, you know. <laughs> We need to expand on this, not, you know, worry about how the outdoor farming, you know, community feels about uh, going indoors. It, 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 it could prove to be, uh, you know, like a benchmark that people go like, wait a minute, what <laughs> we have to, of course, we have, and venture capitalists or or, you know, the Bill Gates of the world could just start going, hey. We're putting up buildings or we're taking over, you know, empty buildings and we're just going to fill them through, fill them rather with uh, indoor growing machines. I love this. So let me ask you a question. Okay. I think that, and I'll preface it with some context. I think that Uber proved you don't need taxi companies. Right. Are you that we don't need farmers. No, because uh, that's not our, that's never been our goal 
it's just to be able to provide uh, innocently, you know, whatever you want to, you know, however you want to take that. But with great sincerity, innocently, we were just we just wanted to be able to provide a mechanism to for people who are in difficult environments to be able to provide healthy food for them 12 months a year like the Negev desert project in Israel uh, is a good example. Um, the, you know, I, I watched something on, I told you last time on, on TV about the poor people in Kenya, these beautiful families, these uh, the beautiful children, the, their mothers and fathers and were beautiful looking human beings and, and whatever. And, uh, they're having to pan for tiny pieces of gold so they can buy food. And, and if, and if they don't find any tiny pieces of gold, then they don't eat, you know, you know, really it's 2023 folks. You know, like there's no excuse for that to be their situation. So uh, we could, you know, you, again, you could put up a, a 20,000 square foot building. It's in these, pl this place in Kenya where these people are panning for tiny specks of gold so they can eat, put up a 20, it, it wouldn't even cost them much. And you put in like 50 of our machines or, or, you know, and, and these people have great food and they're, and they're not worried about, you know, it's a whole, di they could, you know, have, very productive lives without worrying about their basic existence. This is, I mean, the, the, the repercussions for humanity are nothing but positive. I see yeah. it. And I didn't purpose going, oh, I despise farmers. I'm going to put them out of business, but no, I did not. No, I understand. You're not that type of guy. You're not vicious like that. But nonetheless, uh, you know, the innovations that create obstacles in industries. And I could see that a farmer doesn't, that in 10 to 15 years, they're going to be better mousetrap. Well, you, you, you could be. Uh you know, more profound than you think it, you know, I don't know what the exact result of all this will be. You, it could be very catalytic towards, uh, especially like their children, you know, in other words, not the, the old school farmer, but the next generation going, wait a minute, you know, why are we, <laughs> I mean, we could do some outside farming, but we need to do both, you know, or something like that, you know, maybe a, a little bit of each. Let me, let me, I know it's like hard to imagine, you know, food farmers. I mean, it's just, it's so embedded in our thinking that stepping away from that and thinking of, wow, could we do, could we supply this country of 375 million people with food or, you know, how many, what, people can we do it without farmers it's hard to imagine but it is possible well when you had your walkman with your array of cassettes in your in your what little carrier box or whatever you had did you ever think that they were gonna uh, that was all gonna you know vaporize and turn into like streaming 
you know, where you don't need any media at all to, you know, except for turning on your, either your cell phone or, or, you know, if you have a home unit, you know, that, that you can, you know, take advantage of so you can listen to even like the first cream album, you know, like, you know, we, we, we never would have guessed that in a million years. Never would have guessed that in a million years. And here it's happening. You know, I think that I've seen Uber replace cabs. Uh, and, you know, the music industry goes through radical changes. I mean, you remember the cabs in the 38s, and now you can get anything, any song what that's ever been made on youtube which is just amazing so people i think are thinking along these lines of you know that these institutions and the way of doing business or making a product is stone and you know if the don't step up they run the risk of being obsolete yeah, it's this whole uh, AI uh, transition uh, that is putting a lot of, you know, questions in a lot of people's minds who are really smart people of how to, you know, make the world a better place by really tapping technology and and uh, data that they can uh, that gather. They call it, and and. Uh, who knows, you know, <laughs> I mean, farming is really, would you have ever thought that that was even a, an option to be, you know, confronted? Uh, I didn't, but, uh, and who knows, you know, there's <laughs> right. You know, the last bastion, yeah. you know, right. But, yeah. but look at, but look at that and, and look, and look at what our entire discussions about today and how it, this is like heavy reality. What I'm sharing, you know, with I, you today I, and, and I the, love but, this. What's next? You know. <laughs> well, it's like thirty-five minutes ago, I farmers would obsolete. Now I think it's inevitable. Conversation with you. So let me can I ask a couple questions here, please. So, Always. How much would it cost? Thousand square foot building and. Let Assume a, a rural area, not, I mean, I, you know, you wouldn't want to do it in town LA, but you do it in, you know, or Cucamonga. How? Well, there are, just, just to uh, put this thought into your head, there are places that have been devastated by like the COVID situation and previous to that, just like towns that, you know, just, became obsolete you know like to, or and and there are these buildings that are just sitting there which different states and and cities give you like crazy tax incentives so uh those are the kind of places that that are you know really uh first on a lot of because it really is of no concern you know because of the climate right of of what where they are so that's one. Okay, so you can get a good deal in real estate, right? Optimum deal right now in real estate. And crazy and, tax incentives, too. Wow. And cost, the technology in, and, you know, the 
beams and all the sensors and all the soil and all the seating and all the water. How much would it cost to take a hundred thousand building and convert it to organics? By the way, I love that. Rod organics. Harris organics, actually. Harris. Sorry. How about crushed organics? Crushed organics. Yeah. All right, that'll be the the new offshoot. I love it. <laughs> I know you'll you'll have a sub for Harris Organic. How much cost to have a full functioning system? Well, I'll I'll say this. Uh, it should it should everything involved uh, should be in the neighborhood of uh uh around uh 50 million dollars which now when i say that number keep in mind that what's the out what's the uh requirement from the output of of the data that's gathered there well that gathered data see even though the building and the and all these machines and the people to run it might come out to like let's just say around 75 million dollars okay it sounds like a lot of money but this data is worth and i'm not being you know optimistic i'm not being uh you know like coloring this thing whatever you want to call it it is literally worth billions of dollars so um you know, it's it's chump change in the in the overall scope of the whole thing. Oh yeah, for a for a venture capitalist, you know, they invest billions in different endeavors. This is a rounding error. You know, right. the, the selling of the this the selling of this gathered data and and. Cre- also uh, created also to the next level where it's actually AI technology that can be utilized um, is worth like as I always say stupid money crazy money so if you're talking under a hundred million dollars which is, it definitely will be um, you know really <laughs> like it's a it's a not a drop in the ocean but it's not like in in you know, perspective, you know, it, it's small. So for, for a high, so you got, I, you know, you got 5 million you invested running. Okay. And how much good people could this feed? Could it feed? Yeah. Oh, it could feed. Uh, well, I mean, you're talking about a thousand machines, and each machine has seven grow beds on it. So you're just say like seven thousand grow beds of produce is a, a lot of food. <laughs> like, how, uh, could that feed like a thousand an army, people as they say, feed an hour? Uh, an army, yeah, right. And keep in mind too the the grow time is uh usually to uh from seed to uh you know ripeness is is in the neighborhood of like three weeks so if if you're not going to just do it one time you're gonna 
have you know multiple times so with a thousand machines in one place by the way that are completely uh, run robotically okay i mean the amount of workers that you need are minor it's mainly the workers that you need would be to uh at a production area where the grow beds were were carded to um they you know they need to you know package the uh produce somehow some way to be able to uh offer them for free or offer them uh you know for sale that that i have no no not none of my business there but the point is is that uh you know the amount of uh employees would be minimal as well because the uh my machines are are completely robotic as well and so the five million investment in a hundred in a hundred square you have a thousand machines you have it up and running for you say three weeks you can produce a new batch of vegetables yes whoa baby so so <laughs> once you get this thing going you know it costs a whole lot less it's like, correct me if I'm wrong, that $25 million is your initial investment, and an ongoing a whole lot less, right? Then outdoor farming, yeah, it's dramatically less, right? Yes, your investment is up front. Now, you know, an army, 20,000 people in a 100,000 square foot building? Well, if you think about uh, just logistically, if you've got seven thousand grow beds that that are that are uh, four feet by eight feet each grow bed, you know, you're, you're talking about a lot of stuff every three weeks. You know, I, I it's hard for me to give you an exact number, but it, it would it would uh, feed a lot of people. Not you know, yeah, you could do a town of of like ten thousand people easy, you know. And that's just for one batch, you know, <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, and you're going to have a new batch of that every three weeks. So, for farm, you know, when the weather's not a variable, so you can't, you don't have to shut in the winter. Um, right. So, or shut down in a drought or anything like that. So, constant over vegetables in an area where they don't have anything or they can't get it because, you know, the weather, the, the fact that weather, you're taking weather out of the equation is so valuable. Crush, this is fantastic. Are you like on fire about this or what? It, it's, uh, you know, it's made my life, uh, you know, more worth living than ever, you know, just, uh, that's the best way I can put it. I, I'm, I'm genuinely excited every day. Oh, so, but, so but how, the, the best part, the best part of all of it on a, and, and I, you know, I think you know me that, that I, my ego's always in my back pocket is that uh, on a very selfless level, um, there's an awful lot of people in this world hopefully and potentially with great reality now that will not go hungry and they'll be well fed 12 months a year with very 
minor effort compared to if, if you tried to do this outdoors? Well, it, there are 8 billion people on this planet. 8 billion. When I was born, and you and I, I'm a little older, but then again, than everybody. There were less less than 3 billion people. Right. So, you know, if you're population, every, you know, every, every 30 years, yeah, whatever, whatever the math, you know, you, you know, feed people, we got to feed people efficiently and more effectively. And it, right. I got it. It's like you built the mousetrap. Do this. I mean, you know, you so, so win the peace prize. That's what I want. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I don't. None of that is is ever going to be uh, on my radar screen. Um, I just want to, you know, I just keep every day. I have that vision of looking at at that. Uh, a documentary that I had to watch with these people in Kenya that, and, and these people weren't like all beat up and grungy and rough looking. They were actually like really nice looking people. And even if they weren't, you know, that's of no consequence. But the fact that instead of this nonsense that I have to watch about these people foraging for tiny, tiny pieces of gold that, they can accumulate to get enough money to buy food that day is it, ludicrous. And, and this would, you know, take that out of these people's lives so they could spend their time doing something productive, you know, and that to me would be worth all of this big time. Well, I mean, let's face it, the basic, the basic people is food. It's about as basic. There is nothing water. Food and water is as basic. And it is at the core of social stability. Don't have food, you got big problems. I mean, you know, stability, I mean, to have huge repercussions around the world. And, you know, I mean, you of this road you're going down, you should be very proud of it. I'm just excited that, uh, you know, it, it, you know, it's kind of like the way I look at it. It's it's certainly about time. It's time that, that people who have had to struggle to just get food, you know, and, or get healthy food or these people in Canada that are confronted these, these uh, indigenous people in Canada, this is just unacceptable where, I had to listen to this thing that a head of lettuce with they're confronted with is going to cost them about $6, but they could buy a, a pint of like, you know, like stoli for six bucks and, and they're, and they go like, I'll take the stoli, screw the lettuce. You know, I mean, that that's ludicrous, you know, that that's not okay. And it seems like the, you know, like why am I, I'm not the only one that I'm sure feels this way. I, I, I get that, but everybody should feel this way and everybody should jump, jump on this, you know, and like, and get the, get this, this, get the ball rolling here, you know, big time. 
these people need our help and, and it's not hard to do it now you know let's just build a lot of machines and my company doesn't have to be the only company that that makes these things you know we could license it out or or people you know competitors could come up with something you know relatively you know similar that maybe if we have to even authorize you know like because of the patents you know like okay fine you know but you know the, the world needs this and 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 let's go you know that was very well said. I mean, if you could, I mean, you know, because what happens in in some of the inner cities where the only have access to, you know, to and right. the the disease associated with. Let's face it: fresh vegetables and fresh fruit are the key. One of the main keys to a long, successful, and, and you know, healthy life and quality of life, vegetables. Having access to them is paramount. Doing is again, you're building a mousetrap that is supplying these people who wouldn't normally have it to vegetables, produce. Right. And, and, and explain this one to me, cause you're smarter than me and, and I, I'm all right with that. I doubt but that. It, it's like, why is Bill Gates personally buying up like insane amounts to farmland when he could put a fraction of that money into controlled environment, indoor farming that would help like, you know, he don't need the money. He could actually grow indoor, uh, you know, farming situations, which would feed like, you know, the, the rest of the world. You know, he, he's got that kind of money that would accommodate all of that. I mean, why isn't he doing that? You know, I, I, I don't get it. Why is he buying all this farmland up? I don't get it. I don't understand at all. I mean, you know, 70 is a drop in the bucket. I mean, you know, he or Elon Musk, I mean, they're $100 billion. What about Jeff Bezos? <laughs> you know, any of these guys could take a billion dollars and set up of these in other countries or areas of the United States and miss the money. I mean, they can get cows. And they and could they get can... the Nobel damn prize, you know, and, and I'm fine with that. I don't need an, I, I mean, I, anybody of course would be crazy honored to get that, but the, but they would, you know, they could get the Nobel prize for doing something with their money. That was actually, you know, crazy intelligent compared to, I, I don't get why you need to buy up all this farmland. I, I don't understand. <laughs> well, this is, you know, I mean, this, just unbelievably fantastic. Crush, what are questions I haven't asked that I should ask? Um, I don't know. Uh, it's just that uh, I think we've covered, you know, like what uh, is as much as we can offer right at this minute. I mean, you, you've heard about, you know, AI and what it can do for, you know, a lot of people, uh, 
and and you know where it comes from now it's it's gathered data from a controlled environment uh you know and you and you know where the opportunities are in the world to make the world a better place by offering all sorts of food um the only thing that actually i would like to uh add which is really exciting is that you know these these buildings or indoor growing environments uh you know need uh, a little bit of complementary technology and this is something that i wanted to share actually um you you and your audience uh, may not be aware, but another really exciting technology is, is this technology called AWG. And what that is, it, they're, uh, it's some kind of machinery that's able to uh, pull water out of the atmosphere. Uh, you, you know, it doesn't matter where you are, uh, usually in the evening. Uh, but the point is, is that they're able to out of the literally <laughs> out of the blue sky, um, grab like two, 2000 gallons of water every night. And this way, and uh, it, the technology is called AWG. And uh, you're going to start hearing more and more about this. So in challenging environments, but also uh, places where, say, if you're in the middle of like some like like. Arizona or, or, or New Mexico or someplace where you didn't have uh, easy access to water, um, you could put these machines to uh, foster the, the indoor growing situation. And then, so they, uh, go, then on top question? of that, if, if uh, like uh, the ability to put solar panels on the roof of these buildings yeah. to, to, to create. Now, another great thing thank god about our machines is that they actually believe it or not uh use 60 to 70 percent less water and 60 to 70 percent less power to to run them so that's really good right out the gate but um on top of that if if for any reason you weren't able to put solar panels uh on the roof of these buildings which i don't see why not but again like who knows you know um they're they're actually uh another uh partner in our project uh is a company called vortex technologies and they have these machines that take garbage that like any kind of garbage like especially from the landfill kind of garbage you know and and it and it has a, a different technology where it instead of uh burning it from the bottom up like in other words like if you had like a campfire and and you threw something in it it would it would burn from the bottom up right but for some reason they have this technology burns from the top down which i have no idea how that's almost possible but nobody cares <laughs> but the point is is that it's able to more efficiently uh burn uh and create power uh, by using their technology. So you could put a vortex or, or I don't know how many you'd need. That's not my area either. I'm a, uh, you know, I do what I do and, and how much, you know, power is required for, for all these machines. I'm not, a, I'm not an expert on that, but the point is, is that you could have these machines and, and you could clear out like landfills um, 
and and who nobody cares about anyway right the garbage in a in a in a dump right and and you could just keep putting it you know into these uh machines that created the power to run these indoor growing facilities and then you could have the awg machines that could create water in a potentially a like a desert or or a some kind of you know challenging place where for some reason there it was difficult to have access to uh clean water you could actually create that water too and have this right so we have all the technology come on bill gates come on jeff bezos come on elon musk you know wake the hell up and 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 step up here you know i love it i love well crying so much fun Guess how long we've been on. Look at the clock. Guess how long we've been on. I don't know. About an hour, something like that. I don't know. Minutes, and it's fifty-six minutes, and this is And this is your second time on the show. And please, when you become famous and you start doing all <laughs> Joe Joe Rogan podcasts, don't at uh, the Who Gives a Shit files. No, that day will never come. Jimmy, do not do don't even waste your time with that thought, okay? And as, as you may or may not know, I guess get the last word. So words of the podcast. Summation, what would you like to say about what you're doing, about your vision, about the practicality, about the money, you want to call out anybody? The forum stage is yours crush um if anybody anywhere that's listening to this can be catalytic towards opening up the eyes of people who have an opportunity to provide um this solution that you've heard about which has every angle has the water creation has the power creation and has the growing machines that can uh, grow 100% perfect food for people who need it the most, um, please let uh, Jim English know and, and we'll get right on it. Okay, Harris Organics is in this to make the world a better place. The rest of it is, I promise everybody, is inconsequential. Ross... Crusher Harris, I want to thank you for being on Hoogan. And I can't wait for the update because we're going to follow this every step of the way. Thank you. Thank you, Jimmy, my, my fabulous friend. And uh, I look forward to uh, seeing you soon. Thank you, everybody.